I certainly don't feel the pressure of what other people think around how I am when I'm pregnant, the birth I have, whether I breastfeed or not. Like to me, I'm just kind of like, keep your opinions to yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm Hetty Holmes, and you are listening to Hacking Happiness with Dose, the podcast that explores what makes us feel good to get those happy hormones firing. My next guest is Jocelyn Thompson-Rule, one of London's most beloved fitness instructors and Nike Global Master Trainer. She's also a mum to two beautiful boys, the host of the Fitness Unfiltered podcast and author of How to Move It, a book she's written launching in January. In this episode, Jocelyn talks about how motherhood has changed her, the things she's learned along the way, as well as her views on the polarising topics of breastfeeding, C-section deliveries versus vaginal births and mum guilt, with some pregnancy and postpartum workout tips thrown in. This podcast is sponsored by Nike, who have recently launched the Nike M Collection, designed to encourage and support more women to stay active during pregnancy and beyond. I hope you enjoy. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Although this morning felt like a bit of a military operation. My um, my toddler had to come out of nursery because she had a high temperature, and I just, oh. just had another baby, so I had two of them like that. Ah. And my husband's a PT, so he was trying to do a Zoom, and it was just like oh, mental. For like, bless <laughs> you. But I packed them off in the car to just drive around the village for an hour. <laughs> so they're good. Yeah. How was your morning? Bless you. Oh, I can relate to that. The sh- the shoveling of the kids. Yeah. Out, out of out of sound's reach exactly. um have yours started counting now because they listen to you doing reps and stuff on the <laughs> no Bjorn just thinks he is a PT oh, really? hi um so everyone today we're gonna do um this exercise we're like all right you're right. <laughs> take it away today is obviously all about tackling motherhood at every stage which of course you know very well being a mama of two <laughs> um so we always kick off the podcast by talking about like dopamine which um is inspired by like drive motivation so I'd love to just kind of go back to the start of your career and think about you getting into sport um so were you always very sporty as a young child I I probably didn't get properly into sport until I was at uni um and that was um I started rowing when I was at uni uh, and then did that for four years and that was my kind of first um real experience of of training and kind of weightlifting and you know um working out according to workout plans I guess yeah and how did your kit kind of vary then as now as, as to now like do you felt like you were encumbered by certain things that you used to wear that, that didn't allow you to reach your full potential um not necessarily I mean um you know when I was I was actually thinking about rowing um this morning when I, I cycled um max to nursery and yeah. it was freezing and I was and I was I there 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 was me with my ankle cleavage out my ankles freezing my hands freezing and it reminded me of when we were sat on the water in the winter yeah you know in the boat um and just how well you know um kind of layered up we were um so I think I think um I've always sort of worn what has been required of um the sport yeah uh and so with rowing we had like these kind of sync these kind of all-in-ones um and I, I guess yeah wearing what is what is going to allow you to do the thing that you need to do yeah. um but also be you know also serve as you know a duvet if necessary in the in the winter yeah. or whatever like it yeah it absolutely does matter because it will hinder 
yeah. um, you know, your, your movement and your freedom of movement if you don't. Yeah. And this sports bra specifically, it's such a key item of clothing. But how do you think it has evolved over the years? Do you think they, they've got better? Like, do you feel like the one you have now is is actually fulfilling its potential and doing what it should do? Yeah, I like I get, you know, even my, my husband now is just like if I see a woman running and her boobs are all over the place, I'm just like, no, like, yeah. no, th- that cannot be comfortable for you, you know, so they have to be, you know, compressed, not moving around. Or for me, that's it's just a distraction, like yeah. 100% is just a distraction. Um, so, yeah, no, absolutely essential. Again, it's one of those things that, you know, if you don't know, you just kind of don't know, I suppose. Mm. Um, but I mean, I, I just like, I mean, I, I spend my life in sports bras, even if I'm, even if I'm not doing sport, like for me, it's just comfortable. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, 100% it matters. And you're super passionate about getting women into fitness, aren't you? So do you think, do you think more needs to be done to encourage girls to enjoy pee at school? Cause there's been quite a lot of like I guess discouragement of, of women getting ahead in sport because PE is being cancelled off the curriculum, which is a really mm. thing. And I know you've been quite active in speaking about this. Yeah, I. It's a you know it always it's such a big shock to me that you know when we are becoming increasingly increasingly focused around mental health um, that the only physical activity that you get to do in school is being you know, put aside in favor of, of, you know, the the core curriculum. And of course that matters, of course, English maths and, you know, science um, matter. Um, But just to move and to move your body is so important. And I think that with with the whole PE thing, I mean, I didn't mind PE at school. I wouldn't have even necessarily said I was particularly good at any of the things that that we did. Um, but I think that there were just specific um, sports that you played in PE. And if that wasn't your thing, then it can kind of create this idea that, oh, well, I'm just not sporty or I can just never get into sport because, you know, PE doesn't appeal to me or, or didn't appeal to me. And so therefore it just mustn't be for me. And I think that's a big um it's just really unfortunate because I think that it does hinder a lot of um you know young girls um young women from from just even having the you know the mindset to say I'm going to go ahead and and do this whereas you know kind of two experiences one was was my own personal experience and so I think you know when I started uni that was when I really kind of got into sport and really got into training I know I did Irish dancing but I don't necessarily I wouldn't uh, it's a very physical thing but I don't necessarily I think I kind of started training training when I got to uni um and that was I felt very out of place um at uni and sport and training was the one thing that made me feel like I was somebody it gave me a confidence that I didn't have before um and so that you know made me realize wow this is what it's done for me it's so important for others to have this experience as well. Um, and then the second piece around um, just how important it is for young girls is actually um, years ago we had um, 
well, we still have Nike Training Club, um, but it, it was geared um, towards women specifically. And I can't remember what year it was, but um, we were working with schools and bringing Nike Training Club to um, the 15 and 16 year old girls in school. Um, and so one that kind of made it kind of fairly exclusive in a way, like, you know, the girls in the younger years where you know, couldn't wait to get, you know, to that age, so they could do it too. Um, but I remember one, one school that I worked with um, in Blackheath and um, there, I think there are about 20 or 30 of the naughtiest girls in the year. And the PE teacher was like, right, we're going to trial it on these girls. I was like, okay, cool. So I was leading the session. She was supporting. Um, I was like, let me get my tunes ready. So they just, you know, they're going to think this Jocelyn coach lady is cool. Um, and we got 10 minutes in and I was just like, wow, this is not going to work. You know, they're like, miss, my makeup's running, my knees hurt. Like they just were not having any of it. Um, and, um, and then I actually went back. I remember leaving that session thinking like, oh God, like this is just not going to work. And um, when I went back to that school um, five or six weeks later, because I had like a school sports week and I saw the PE teacher and I said, you know, how are the sessions going? Because when I was there at that time, it was just to kind of introduce it and kind of hand over for her to take over. Um, I said, how are those sessions going? She said, they're, they're amazing. Like we've changed the, um, timetable so that they can do it first thing so they're not worried about their makeup running um two of the girls always lead the session with a um or, or two of the girls will always take 10 minutes of the session each week and um all of them led the school sports day with a 5k run and that was over six weeks and I was just like wow because actually when I think if I if I admit it I had given up on them and thought there's no way this is going to work but actually it was powerful enough that they then, you know, led that, that school sports days. So I was like, that is so incredible. And I, I always tell that story because it just, I, I had legit given up on them mm. and, and they, they didn't, they took it forward and they were proof of what sport can do for a young woman. So it was amazing. Yeah. You must've felt very proud of them as well. Oh yeah, I, I was like, I said to the teacher, and I was like, where are they? Can I see them? Can I, you know? And I ended up writing a letter. I said, would you mind if I wrote a letter and sent it to you? Would you mind reading it to the girls? Because it was, it was, you know, it changed a lot of things for me as well. So um, yeah, it was really great. Yeah, and presumably this was before you became a mum yourself, right? Yes. It must have like tapped into some maternal instinct in you, like, <laughs> wanting to help these girls out and, and like see them progress. Do you, what role did your mum play in inspiring you growing up? Like, was she a real like role model for you? She, I think mum really um, just kind of realised, I suppose, fairly early on to just really let me kind of find my way in a way. So I was never, I had an accident when I was seven and that um, meant that I had to have my big toe amputated on my left foot mm. and um and I was told at the time by um the surgeon like I wouldn't be able to Irish dance again and so on and so forth and I remember just being like well but I want to um and I don't know whether it's because I was just at that 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 kind of age where you know your imagination is still this like big wild thing at seven and you know you believe in everything and, and nothing is impossible um and uh, and I remember kind of thinking well I want to so I'm going to and and you know my mum was probably like you know well, the surgeon said that you know maybe you're not gonna be able to dance again and I went ahead and I did dance again kind of over time I learned how to walk and then you know however many months went by and I was dancing again and so I think she realized that she always just had to 
you know, even if she felt like, I think that's going to be a really tough thing just to let me go and find my way. And so she, her, her, her words are always, it'll always work out in the end. And she's always right. So, oh, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I didn't know that about you, actually. That's, that's incredible. Like, and how do you work with it today with the toe? Like, is there a, have you just found a way around it? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw, um, I mean, because it's kind of always been the way it's been, mm. I guess I've just, you know, always done what I've done, I suppose. Yeah. But I remember I did see an osteopath in my early 20s and he and he was kind of surprised by how much my body had adapted to it and not in a way that he thought it would have. So, mm. but I still think it was down to that kind of belief that I had of just like, well... I recognize that this is a bit of an inconvenience, but I still want to do this thing. So I don't know, you know, sometimes if you listen to the things that you can't do and you believe it, then you sort of can become thing that thing. Do you know what I mean? The thing yeah. that people say you can't do. So um, I think, I think the biggest kind of letdown for me when I hear it is other people being told, I know that'd be really difficult for you to do because I just mm-hmm. kind of think, give somebody the chance to try and fine if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but let them explore that for themselves for whatever reason I just didn't listen to that surgeon and I'm happy that I didn't yeah good you're um, you're one of London's most in-demand trainers and you're you're hugely inspirational to a lot of people but um, obviously juggling motherhood whilst doing your training running a podcast and writing a book congratulations (laughs) thank you Um, so yeah so are there other female athletes out there who you see kind of juggling kids with their careers like breaking down barriers and is there anyone specifically who inspires you out there I mean obviously the big one for me is Serena yeah (laughs) um but I think it's um I think when you're a mum even before you're a mum even as soon as you let people know that you're pregnant um people have opinions and they will tell you the sex of your baby from looking at your bump they will tell you to do this, to not do that. Uh, and so much of it is just really sort of them reflecting themselves on you. And so um, I think that um, I was always very adamant that I would just create my own um, path as a mother, I think. And Um, that, you know, if people suggested things or said things, if I disagreed, I would just nod and say, thank you, you know, kind of gracefully. So they would just be quiet. Um, but I think, I think with Serena, there's a a post that I saw of hers and it was, it was kind of like a split screen post. And one of it was kind of her reaching out to her child, um, her little girl, Olympia, I think is her name. And then another one kind of, re- the other half of the picture was her kind of reaching up with the tennis racket in her hand. And it was kind of like her being pulled in the directions of what other people wanted her to do. It's kind of like either you're a mum or you're an athlete, but you can't be both. And that just really resonated with me um, because again, like there were definitely times um, along the way when people, I remember this guy, said to me um I saw him at a, a competition um I wasn't competing but it, we were at a competition and um and he said to me and I and at the time I had been um doing some delivering education um for Nike to trainers in various places um around the world uh, and he said to me um oh I think it's it's great all of this traveling you're doing 
Um, but I just can't stop thinking, who's looking after the baby? And I remember just thinking, wow, like, A, just because I don't have my son plastered all over social media, which is where you've got this information from, mm. you know, doesn't mean that he's not with me because I absolutely did bring him with me on some trips. I didn't ask if I could, I just did. And then let people know that I can still do the job, <laughs> which was a bit naughty. Um, but also it was just like, wow. And also he was, when he was not with me, he was at home with his dad, the other parent, you know? Um, so, and that really took me aback that, that comment, you know, um, because people just have this idea of what you should be doing as a mother should or shouldn't be doing as a mother. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's really invasive, that kind of stuff, isn't it? It's like presuming they know about your life and what you should and shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a tag team affair, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's very frustrating. I've had as well people come up to me and, and judge me on the shape of my tummy being like, oh, you're really poking out, therefore you're having a boy. And it's like, wow, yeah. not that. <laughs> it's really rude. But yeah. So other than Serena, are there any other athletes out there that really inspire you doing this like juggling act? Um, I think I think probably Serena's the big one for me. Um, who else? I think it's not, it's not even necessarily athletes. I think it's also just kind of mum, other mums kind. To me, I feel like it, if, you know, if you are a mother and you're training or if you're a mother and you're, you're doing your, um, your, you've got your business or whatever, if you're a mother and you're, and you're at home full time, um, it becomes, I think the identity piece can be, um can get kind of tied up or or caught up in you know um again oh you should be only doing this, this thing you know too much you know if, if you've got your own business are you seeing your kids um if you're if you're you know an at-home mum you know are you ever going to go back to work like all there's there's just so much and I think it really makes women kind of question am I doing the right thing am I doing the right thing am I doing the right thing because you get so many opinions on it so I think the for me it's just so important to whoever you are whatever you're doing own it because it's exactly right for you um and I think that's probably the biggest um struggle to like I, I don't get mum guilt or anything like that because I'm just I'm just like no like why I'm not gonna feel guilty about you know like this morning even I I snapped at my eldest and then before he went into school I said to him I'm so sorry sweetie I snapped at you this morning I shouldn't have done that um because a it was important for me to tell him that and b it was important for me to kind of you know, let it go there and then, like, this is the thing I snapped at you. I shouldn't have done that. I'm so sorry. You know, I love you. Have a great day. Done. Mm. You know, I'm not going to be wrapped with guilt for the rest of the day. I'm not, no. Yeah. Cause they're over it in five minutes. Anyway, I used to feel yeah. that dropping Heidi off. She'd cry at the door and they'd all look at me and be like, she honestly, like two minutes. <laughs> She'll be fine. <laughs> <She doesn't care. laughs> so, good to know. Um, so like thinking about relationships and bonding, you, you're obviously, obviously mum to two gorgeous boys. Is it Bjorn and Max? Is that yes. right? And yes. what's the age yes. difference between the two of them? Um, so there, there is four years between them. Lovely. So yeah. like, how, how did taking on this new role change your life? I mean, I think that, 
I never really relate to the idea of, you know, people say when they've had kids and they can't remember what life was like before that, Mm. that never, like, I do remember what life was like before it, but I really love how life is now. So it's not like, whoa, that was a shock. I wasn't expecting that. It doesn't feel like that. Um, So it's like, yeah, there's life before kids and there's life now with kids and then there will be a life you know whenever they kind of move out which Bjorn says he's never doing he's like mommy I want to live with you forever I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you're gonna get, gonna want to get out of here <laughs> um and it's just kind of I suppose I'm very just pretty much in the moment like it's just this is what it is now and I keep you know you know Max at his age now is just super cute and super funny and you know I said to BJ just at the dinner table last night I was just like oh my god like he's just so funny right now and so cute right now and you don't want it to change but so I, I think we I think we as a four love spending time together like it's it's just the biggest joy to do that so um so I think we just adapted to here we are two kids and yeah. you, you do the juggle bit and that's fine. Um, and I, I think now that Max is in nursery, cause he only went, he only started nursery. Uh, when did he start? I can't remember what month are we in November. Um, so he started probably around um, August. I want to say something like that. Um, and actually he started in September, beg your pardon. Um, and when he went to nursery, I was a bit like, Whoa, well that five years is a bit of a, uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like I'm emerging from, you know, um, I don't know what, but um, it definitely feels like I've got a bit more time now. So yeah, nice. I'm super grateful for nursery as well, because I'm like, you. Yeah, I, I love my life with my kids in it. It's mad and it's crazy. But then just having that freedom that nursery can yeah. provide is just it means everything just so you can yeah. get doing your thing and feel yeah. like yeah, yeah. important um so thinking about like breastfeeding do you think there's too much pressure on women these days to do it naturally because it's quite a polarizing issue isn't it I don't know if you found this but you, yeah. yeah um I think it's just it's just about what is right for each mother right mm. um again everything around you know this pressure around um you know how you give birth whether it's you know a vaginal birth or a c-section or and there's you know I know a friend of mine who's also um a trainer and she so Max uh, Bjorn my first was a c-section and Max was a vaginal birth mm-hmm. um and um and my friend she she also had a c-section um just she had her little one before um I had Bjorn and she just feels so much shame around it and how um, you know, she just feels that, you know, she she um, didn't do it, you know, properly in inverted commas. And I'm just like, no, like you're fine. The baby's fine. Like you're here. Like this is amazing. Um, and, you know, the same thing with with breastfeeding, like, you know, both of my boy, I breastfed Bjorn, I think, for a year and then Max for maybe a year and a month or two. Um, and but it's you know it was a it was a, a very easy thing for me to do I know it's not easy for everybody to do um and your child is being fed no matter what right um and it, it just it just I think again like I don't feel the the guilt thing um I certainly don't feel the pressure of 
what other people think around how I am when I'm pregnant, the birth I have, whether I breastfeed or not. Like to me, I'm just kind of like, keep your opinions to yourself. But I know that that's not the case for everybody and that it can be, um, you know, I feel like I feel like I've got a very good support network around me. Whereas if you don't have, you know, a huge amount of, of support and then you've got other people's opinions at you, of course, it's going to, you know, get to you. Mm. Um, so I think that I think it's just so important that you do what is right for you and your baby, you know, and if you're stressing because you're trying to trying to breastfeed um, and it's not happening and, you know, just do what it do what you can with the resources that you have and that that not only applies to that it applies to absolutely every um area of life I think personally but um it, it's it's such a such a tough one because yeah everyone has such an opinion on motherhood I know and <laughs> really I mean, it, it's it's great really seeing like Chrissy Teigen and Megan Muffin coming out about like you know their experiences of miscarriage even because you know yeah that's- Incomer in society and it shouldn't be and I think yeah. it's great that people are talking about it more um and also yeah same with breastfeeding and the types of birth we have I mean it, it I had two c-sections it's just so much about it being um yeah just being being right for you because and, and, and also you know with as you say even you know with uh, miscarriages and like I think a lot of women um you know, do suffer in silence around a lot of things. Um, and that a lot of, a lot of these, um, you know, topics are, are coming, you know, further um, or, you know, are being more openly um, spoken about is, is amazing. Um, and that it, yeah, it's just, you, you, do, you do what you can for, for what you know with the resources you have at the time, then you're doing an awesome job. Like, you know, the end if I couldn't, if I wasn't able to breastfeed, I would have looked at what can I, you know, what can I do? Mm. Okay. What's the, what's the, the, the next thing I can do? What done? There we yeah. are. Yeah, Children are it. being fed. Yeah. <laughs> find the solution tick. Yeah. 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 And yeah, yeah. yeah. um, so what do you think motherhood's taught you about yourself? Like, has it made you stronger, do you think, and more self-sufficient or, her, you know, or any parenting lessons that you've learned from your own mother that you've put in place? Um, I think, uh, obviously you're very aware that you are raising humans and that because you're around them so much and because they're highly influenced by you, you have, you know, a huge impact on, on their lives. So I think for me, um, it's really important for me to try and understand, um, you know, my babies and where they're coming from. So, you know, Bjorn is a really old soul and, um, he, you know, I think one of, one of the things that I found really useful was um, this lady called Janet Lansbury, and she's got a book called No Bad Kids. Um, and she just really talks about like how you speak to them, like they're actual people, not like, you know, mummy's just gonna do this for Bjorni now kind of things like, I'm gonna do this for you, you know? And, um, and that really, you know, worked with him and just to kind of speak to him like like an adult uh, an adult yeah um and and he really responded to that as well um and uh, and I think I think probably I'm I'm just mindful around um language that I use so um just even things like um 
I think it's really easy to fall into negative chat about um, food and negative chat about money. So, um, you know, if he really wanted wanted me to buy something instead of saying, you know, no, I don't have any money or that's too expensive or I can't, like that immediately puts this negative association with money on there. Um, and so, and we definitely, you know, did not have money growing up. And so I have lots of kind of, I suppose, negative money memories. Um, and so I try and change the language that I use around that. So I might say, you know, um, you know, look, Bjorn, there are lots of um, good things I want to spend my money on. That's not one of them right now. Or, you know, if, if he, if he, if something's broken or whatever, I might say, you know, there's lots of things I like to spend my money on. If that's broken, then I could have spent my money on something, you know, so just trying to change it rather than, you know, we don't have any money. That's too expensive. Money doesn't grow on trees. Like then it, then it's this kind of stress around money and the same thing around, um, you know, food as well. Like, you know, finish on your dinner or again, this kind of negative kind of pressure around food and what you eat. And now we never had that growing up. I'm so grateful. Um, I never had any kind of negative relationship or a stressful relationship with food at all. Um, and don't, and don't have now, but I'm still mindful that, you know, I want them to eat their dinner, but I don't want it to be this negative, um, kind of conversation around it. So I think, I think it's just the language um, piece that I'm really aware of with them. Um, and also allowing them to express themselves in whatever way. So um, an example I've, I've spoken about a few times that happened quite recently with Bjorn, my eldest, he won um, Star of the Week in school and, um, and he came out of school it's kind of like in his class each week, you know, someone in his class wins. And um, he came out, you know, kind of cheering, like, I am star of the week. And everything inside, we wanted to be like, now, Shani, you know, well done. But, you know, there are other people around, you know, to kind of dampen his celebration because I was a bit embarrassed, you know, like, oh, God, make him stop. But then what am I teaching him if I do that to not celebrate actually something that he's earned or actually something that he's achieved and that there you know you mustn't you mustn't celebrate things that you've done well so I thought in my head I'm like right Justin he's only going to do this today so just hug him and say well done and even if you're a little bit embarrassed just let him celebrate because you're teaching him something different if you don't so just things like that you know which are again it's all stuff it's all my stuff it's not but then if I if I let that go on to him then you know, I'm passing on these kind of negative associations with, oh, well, you shouldn't celebrate your success or, mm. you know, money is, is, you know, is not available or whatever. So I'm, I try to, I try to let him sell I try to let them express their feelings, whether they're positive or negative, And I'm, I'm conscious of the language I use around them. Yeah. I know it's all about like not projecting your own stuff onto them, isn't it? It's yeah. Hard, but you it's see hard. It. <laughs> yeah. it, it's like a pattern though, when you see it in your parents and it kind of, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and so thinking about like serotonin and self-care so how do you look after your mind and body between caring for your children because you've got a very busy life yeah um <laughs> well I think this is definitely a you know a continued work in progress for me um I you know can just kind of go and go and go um, but I am very mindful that, um, 
the rest piece has to come in. I mean, that's that's the thing about training is that it teaches us so much about, it's just like, you know, uh, it teaches us, you know, you can't do high intensity training twice a day, seven days a week, it doesn't work, something will shut down. And it's the same thing with your actual working life. It's the same thing. I had a conversation with my friend, um, even with your own, if you're doing any kind of internal work, any kind of healing or whatever, or therapy or whatever, like, you know, as you're working through that, if you go, 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 go with that, it becomes too much. Um, and so I think that one of the things, you know, the, the most important thing, obviously sleep, which tell any, you know, mother, <laughs> young child, they're like, yeah, knock yourself out, honey, but my kid is still waking up however many times the night. So now, you know, both, well, Dion is five now, so he sleeps through anyway, but um, you know, Max, Max was probably sleeping through actually probably from about um, 10 ish months, I want to say, if I, my memory serves me right. Um, but then I would still be kind of staying up late to do things. And so for me, like sleep conquers all, yeah. you know, it really, really does. And I think, you know, one of the things when I was writing the book, I was like, well, how on earth am I going to write this? bloody book like you know we're still in lockdown so the kids are just home <laughs> and uh, so I had so I, I got up really early. I got up at five o'clock and kind of you know they might not wake up till about six thirty-seven. so that was my quiet time when I knew I could just get words you know on the page and so that really forced me into um getting to bed earlier because obviously you know if I'm going to bed late and trying to get up a fight like it's just not going to work and I really felt that like I think that's the difference with the sleep piece is that when you're not getting it and you're just functioning you're like yeah no I can do it but then when you start getting it and you're like oh right yeah I feel really shitty when I'm tired <laughs> and now I know what it's like to get sleep um so I think the sleep piece is a, is a big one for me um it's been quite a, a tough year for me personally. So um, I uh, lost my father, unfortunately, to COVID in May. Um, and then, thank you. Uh, and then obviously, you know, BLM brought up a lot for me um, as well, just in terms of my own identity. I'm mixed race, half Irish, half Jamaican. It, just this year has been a lot. So um, I um, started working with them. Um, There's a, a technique called emotional freedom technique, which um, works really well for me. EFT or people might recognize it as tapping. Um, so I've been having um, tapping sessions regularly. Um, and I think more recently, again, um, I have just really understood that I am at my best when I'm just giving myself that time, um, that, that time out. Like I'm never the person to be like, oh, I'm just going to sit down and do, no, I'm like, there's so much to be done, mm -hmm. but I'm really trying to force that kind of rest time and that me time in. So it's, it's a work in progress, but I'm getting there. Yeah. <laughs> And then how, how have you guys coped with lockdown then obviously having two kids at home has it has it been quite stressful or is, has it provided quite a lot of bonding times for you all? Yeah I think it was I think um, it was really nice for Max the baby because we were all home and mm. I mean he you know before lockdown he was he was at home anyway um, but we had um, a lovely lady Mary who used to come and um, mind him um, two days a week 
Um, so for him, I think it was glorious having his older brother there. And then, you know, BJ and I kind of there the whole time. And I think we just, you know, we really made the most of it. We, we where we are in um, Hackney, we're kind of surrounded by Walthamstow marshes, Hackney marshes. We're kind of surrounded by, Bjorn thinks we live in the park um, because that's where our apartments kind of back off into. Um, so we went out for walks. Um, I think, like everyone, you just made do, but it was, it was really precious time. I mean, BJ, my husband, who is usually used to, because he's in fitness as well, usually used to leaving at like five, half five every morning. Like he would always have like at least two or three colds and he's just like not been sick. So it was just, just longer time in bed, not rushing around. Like it was, it's a really precious time actually, which I'm still really grateful for. So yeah, yeah but that, that did mean that Max went to nursery earlier. Fiorn <laughs> 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 went when he was two and Max, I was like, no, you, we, we just got it we got to get this thing moving he's in three days a week bless him and then he's two days at home I have him one day and then BJ has him the next so oh that sounds like a great yeah, balance so nice yeah. yeah that's good so now to our favorite hormone endorphins talking about exercise and recovery so how did you feel about your body changing during pregnancy did you did you feel anxious about it at first or did you just fully embrace it um I don't love being pregnant <laughs> I'm not like you know you hear some women it's like oh I just love being pregnant I just don't um I never had any um kind of difficulty with my pregnancies I was very lucky um and so um I just I suppose there's a there's an element of feeling a bit vulnerable not feeling as kind of agile or strong or quick or you know should I need to run away from someone in the street like I would like oh I don't feel ready um but um yeah I suppose I mean it's amazing and you know feeling the movement and everything um but I don't so I'm not one of those women who loves being pregnant and and like I said yeah yeah and like I said you know I I um I you know, didn't have any problems whatsoever, like no pain, no anything, all was fine throughout. Um, but, and you know, particularly with Bjorn, I mean, I was sleeping kind of, you know, 10 hours a night. It was glorious uh, when I was pregnant. And again, some person was just like, oh, you know, wait till you're, you know, wait till you've got a few weeks to go. You're not going to sleep at all. My wife didn't sleep at all. Bully for her. Well, guess what? I'm still sleeping nine and 10 hours a week, buddy. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but again, those opinions, you know. Yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? From someone's one experience. <laughs> yeah. And, but in terms of training, did you carry on training throughout your pregnancies right until the end? Yeah. So with, uh, with Bjorn, I trained all the way through um and with Max I hardly did any training at all so they were they were two completely um different different pregnancies um I didn't really document my I I never I didn't even um in terms of online I didn't uh people would unless you saw me in person you wouldn't have known that I was I was pregnant I didn't kind of document any of my training or anything again it was just it was a few there were a few different reasons um one was it was a very um personal and private thing you know to me so I wanted to keep it that way 
Um, and then I was just like, God, people have enough opinions in person. I'm not about to show my training online for people to be like, eh, that's too heavy or not too heavy or shouldn't you be doing this? So I was like, I can do without that stress. I'm just going to leave it offline. And the same thing with my pregnancy with Max as well. Um, I left it pretty much offline. Um, but yeah, just with, with Bjorn, I was able to train um, pretty much as I did. I reduced my um, the weights that I that I used um and then with max i think i was just busier um and then of course i had you know a little one running around um because bjorn i guess at the time was uh, three uh and um yeah i just didn't i didn't get to train as much i'd been out of the habit of training a bit with with that anyway um and so they were very different the two pregnancies but but equally you know they weren't um neither of them were difficult so yeah So obviously you're a master trainer at Nike who have just launched an amazing maternity collection, which is pretty groundbreaking. Um, Do you think the the launch of this collection will encourage more women to stay active during and beyond pregnancy now that they have the right workout gear to wear? Yeah, I think uh, there's just such a big, um, you know, whilst the, you know, area of pre and postnatal is is growing in terms of, you know, um, people, you know, coaching it and understanding it. Um, I still think there are so many questions around, you know, you know, from women around what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do, you know, when they're pregnant. And, you know, I know a client of mine, when I, as soon as I fell pregnant with Bjorn, he was like, right, you can't train me anymore. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm not sick. Like women just aren't sure what they, what they are allowed and not allowed to do particularly then if you are you know one of a high percentage of women who have miscarried before um you know there are there are certain things that you're just unsure of and so uh, my hope is that you know with this range that if nothing else it's a it's a trigger to sort of say oh well there's kit to train so therefore I that means that I can train and so maybe it's okay to train you know um and I'm just jealous that frankly it wasn't around for when I had my two babies Same. I'm really gutted I'm like oh I'm like uh hi <laughs> yeah <Excuse> me <laughs> um but no I think it's I think it's fantastic and um because again you know like um you still want to feel you know when you have you know your your the right workout gear um and it looks nice you just feel better don't you right yeah. so um I think that's just another another thing where whereas before like I literally was I would just buy bigger sizes you know and um just yeah bigger sizes to fit over my bum or then just like the leggings would just roll down under my bum or whatever you know and now I'm just like damn it I could have had like my own actual size <laughs> Oh, I can't wait to get my hands. My bump. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait to get my hands on it. Actually, I guess postnatal, it still it still works because it kind of adapts yeah. to the postnatal. Journey. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. No, I'm, I'm super excited to try it. Um, so how about your kids? Do I mean it's probably too early to tell, but do they enjoy sport? Can you see a glimmer and beyond that he will be a weightlifter one day, <laughs> or, or like no <laughs> promise in a particular sport? Well, we were really mindful, I think, not to, because we both are in fitness, not to sort of like push fitness on our kids. Mm. Um, But I think that we realized, um, I think Bjorn had a broom handle one day when he was um, younger than two. 
and he did he mimicked a snatch with the broom handle which is like one of the <laughs> olympic weightlifting movements and then he threw it down and then he was he was he had seen a video of his dad doing the same lift and his dad's training partner going well done bj well done and so he threw this stick down he was like well done bj well done like in this really <laughs> weird voice and uh, and we were like oh yeah just <laughs> osmosis they're just gonna do physical stuff you know and um, but actually Bjorn was very um and still is very cautious like it took him years to go down a slide by himself like he would just be really cautious about movement um but now he does a lot of um jiu-jitsu and he loves that um which is basically you know wrestling so <laughs> he's all over that uh and he's really into that um and then Max actually um, and I think, you know, part of this is just because he has an older brother and just kind of sees what you can do physically. He's completely different. Like he's jumping everywhere. Like he'll jump off things. Um, he'll go down slides. No bother. Like just, you know, it has no fear. Completely the opposite to um, Bjorn. And so I, I think that they'll both probably do something fairly physical. But equally, um, if they don't, you know, I'm completely fine with that too. Um you know, we're, we're, if they're musical, if they're, you know, um, artistic, like whatever it, whatever it is that they want to do, they can, they can do. We're, you know, I, I say I hope we're not pushy parents, but I, I hope we're not pushy parents. <laughs> <laughs> it's so tempting though, isn't it? Like we live by the coast and my husband's huge on surfing and he's just playing. Oh, so wow. yeah. like, that was Moses thing. He's like yeah. trying something. Like, <laughs> put her off. <laughs> You touched on earlier that you trained through both your pregnancies, but um, just for any listeners out there, like what what were some of the things that you did when you were pregnant, and any like do's and don'ts that people should do or avoid? Yeah, um, I think I think the the main thing is to um, is the kind of age old just listen to your body on each day, um, and um, I, th- I think the biggest thing actually that you know. That is my concern. It's more, it's not, it's not necessarily, you know, tr- sort of training through, but training through um, your pregnancy, like listen to your body, absolutely get professional advice. If you're not sure of what to do, you know, um, get advice from a, a trusted coach, who you know, has worked with, um, you know, pre and postnatal before. Um, I think that the, the bigger concern for me is after women have had their baby, um, you know, how I guess this idea of having to get back into shape post baby and for me I just think you know there's an awful lot going on and you've just carried a baby for a near on 10 months because it's not nine months is it you know let's be it's nine months is a dream but then you're like they told me it was nine months and it's not um and um I think it's just still you know, honor your body as much as you can, again, with the, with the resources that you have. Um, and also that your body is still, is, is healing from, you know, this long, you know, journey. I think, I think that actually one of the things I think is, is the most important is actually getting, um, you know, a pelvic health check, both whilst you're pregnant and, you know, after as well because this whole thing around you know um 
kind of, you know, whether it's, you know, after you've had your baby sort of, you know, leaking while you train or anything like that, like that's just not a thing that comes with having a baby. It's, you know, it's preventable and it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not just, oh, oh yeah, no, I, since I had my three kids or whatever, and now I leak and that's just the way it is. So I don't skip and I don't run. No, all of that is preventable. And so actually um, seeing a pelvic health um, physio is, is the best thing I think you can do, um, you know, for yourself. So for me, I had um, the reason I, that I had the C-section with Bjorn was because um, I only dilated to three centimeters and then I didn't dilate any, any um, more than that. And that was because my my pelvic floor was um, hypertonic, so it was just too too contracted, really. Um, and uh, and so I worked with the pelvic um, health physio Helen Keeble um, when I was pregnant with Max um, to work on that, to work on you know kind of reducing that unnecessary tone, um, because my my hope was that I would have a V back, which I did. Um, with the help of a lot of drugs. Um, <laughs> and uh, so um, I think I think in terms of physical health and exercise, that is one of the most important things that you can do. And it's actually the thing to do, even if you have never had a child, um, because it's just, again, it's one of those things, you know, you don't want to get to 60 and 70 and having to be wearing pads because you think that's just... What happens? Yeah, like it's just not. And you know, in France, they have this great system where um, I think six weeks post baby, you have um, um, physio for six weeks, Mm. um, which is fantastic. Um, But we don't have that here, and you're sort of given a leaflet to do some Kegels, um, you know, and and that's it. And it's there's just so much more to it than that. So that would be my biggest thing around exercise, actually, and then listening to your body, and then don't have this like ridiculous you know don't look at the start at the you know Hollywood and just be like oh my god but she whipped back into shape in preparation for that film she had you know a night nurse she had several nannies she had a cook she had a trainer she had massages she had all of those things you know and a, a shitload of pressure to do that we don't need to do that you know so I think it's just really really to honor your body kind of after having a baby as well and and whoever said sleep when the baby sleeps needs to be punched because <laughs> like, no <laughs> no no who's ever no. done that no I know it's so nice you've reminded me to do my kegels now actually <laughs> There was like, no, but it's true because it's just a muscle, isn't it? It's a it's an overused yeah. muscle, and if people just saw it like that, I think there'd be less stigma around it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's super important to yeah. highlight that issue. Oh, Justin, yeah. it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Such a delight. Oh, um, have, you, have you got more on for today? What have you got planned? What have I got? I'm actually recording my own part, uh, own podcast after this um, with an incredible athlete. Um, so she is a powerlifter and a pole dancer. Oh, fantastic. Um, and recently she's had um, some, some pretty serious, um, uh, pretty tough time with her mental health. So we're, we're talking through all of that. So I'm excited oh. for that. Um, and, then, that. and then what am I doing? I'm trying to tidy my desk uh, and then prepping for um, the recording of the book. So oh, that's exciting. Well, so I'm excited about that. So yeah. Oh, I love it when you hear the author actually reading their own book. It's just amazing. I, I know. I've got an Audible account and I, I actually 
I listen to books more than I read them now because when I'm yeah. in the pram or on the go, I find it so much easier. Yeah, exactly. Same, same. And if I love it, then I'll buy the paperback as well. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much again. It's been a real pleasure. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. If you have any questions about today's podcast, please drop us a line at hello at whateveryourdose.com.